see me? I see you. Don't worry, Dean. Well, we're going to okay. get there. Hey, everybody. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Fast. DJ DeSantis, along with Dean Thomas. Can you see me now? No, I still can't see you. Well, I, apparently your internet's broken then because I'm here and I see you. And uh, it's nice yeah. to see you because it's been. Yes, it's good to see you too. When's the last time we saw each other? Whew, it's been a minute, man. It you know, has been a minute. I texted you about last week's show, and I'm still waiting for a response. Dude, I told like, when was that? Last I, week. I swear, I swear, I thought I responded back to you. I swear right. I did. Uh, did you say, yeah, I'll be right there, and now I'm I'm the a-hole because I never, like, called you to get you on the show? Let's say yes. No, actually, no. I was, <laughs> no, no, like, I don't think I could have did it anyway, but I swear I thought I responded back to you. It's all right. It's all right. I appreciate yeah. you going a little bit later tonight. Uh, you're out there on the the East Coast. You, you were, you know, doing some, uh, you know, big important adult things before this. Yeah. Well, you know, like I do, I do, a, you know, a radio show and I do a couple things, but um, it's it's actually better. I like I, I I was able to do it be easier being a little bit later. Like you said, some adult things had to had come up. So. Right. Listen, and anytime I get a chance to talk to my boy TJ, come on, man. You know, especially just me and you kicking it. You know, no Pearl to get in the way. You know what I'm saying? Just me and you, two right. little old amigos, you know. You know, all our friends on Twitch, though, are like, wait, Pearl's not going to show up? I was waiting for Pearl. Yeah. They, uh, they're, they're big Pearl fans. <laughs> and they're like, log off. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what are you going to do? Uh, we got things to do. A lot of things. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. UFC's back in action coming up uh, this Saturday night, and it's really all about the heavyweights as uh, Biggie Boy is back. Jarzinho Rosenstrike taking on Augusta Sakai. When you look at Rosenstrike, like, I don't care if he's coming off a loss. I don't care if he's coming off a devastating knockout victory. He's got to be one of the most intimidating guys to stand in front of, period. Yeah, because no matter what, like, so yeah, we've seen him lose to Ngano, and then he lost, he was outclassed by Cyril Gan, but prior to that, man, he was like, touching people with his finger and knocking them out like he's right. not alan crowder out with a jab i mean you're right like he's a guy who like you don't really want to stand across from he's so dense and so just like solid like you're like ah, i don't know if i really want this guy to hit me yeah and that's the the thing about rosenstrike as well even if he um you know doesn't touch you like he's still pretty damn dangerous throughout the entire fight like if he doesn't hit you in the first round like he's still got some power in the latter part uh, of the rounds as well and I, I think that um you know pound for pound when it comes to uh you know what he's hauling power wise uh you never want you can, you can never afford to be hit by Jarzinho Rosenstrike whether it's the first round or the fifth round yeah I mean it, you know, Alistair Overeem is proof of that but yeah you're right I, like I've I've been in a room while he was working out and like he's so efficient in the way he works out and so clean like he doesn't really waste a lot of movement during his workouts and he's just it, it seems like he's almost just kind of focusing on accuracy and just being in balance which are like two of the most important things but you would think for a heavyweight did he be focusing on power but that's right. not really what he's what he does but he's focusing on accuracy and balance but that's kind of uh, good I mean, it works though, for him. right yeah. because i mean when you when you look at like what he brings like we know he has power like we're not worried about him you know having the power so he doesn't need to necessarily focus on it like i, I tend to think that if you're in the room you want to be working on the things that you know aren't plentiful and not that he's not you know accurate and has good timing but you know focus on that because you know the power's already a proven commodity yeah for sure and you know he's he's a guy who who's constantly getting better and he's he listens to his coaches i was talking to uh, one of his coaches king mo uh yeah, just yesterday and he was telling me how you know he's 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 back you know like he 
he kind of had a, you know, obviously those last couple fights weren't didn't go his way, but you know he's gotten back to his roots and and we're going to see a better version of Biggie Boy. So I'm excited to see that. And when Mo says something, oh, I yeah. take it as gospel because Mo is my homeboy. Mo's a great student of the game as well. One of the yeah, better yeah. Uh, analysts uh, of this sport. Um, sitting in front of Biggie Boy though is Augustus Sakai. Sakai coming off uh, the first loss of his UFC run. Uh, where he dropped a, a TKO to Alistair Overeem in, in the fifth round. You know, we talk about that uh, that that power of Biggie Boy and, and how it can be there. You know, later in the fight, you got to believe that Sakai can't rest on his laurels whatsoever with with you know Biggie Boy and you know coming off that uh, fight with with Overeem where he lost in the fifth round. He, he he can't you know feel comfortable ever if if he does take this fight to later rounds. Oh yeah, you know the thing is with Sakai, Sakai is is dangerous. He's a dangerous fighter, but the only thing, but the problem with him is he's a bit one-dimensional. So, like, you don't have to worry about a lot of different things like getting taken down or anything like that, but you do have to worry about his power because he is a powerful guy. He's a prideful guy in the way he strikes, and he's an emotional guy being a Brazilian fighter. They fight very emotionally. So, like, it's not going to be easy to put him where it's not going to be easy to intimidate him, but he's, he's going to come with power, and that's one thing you can expect him, from him. That if Biggie Boy, to me, has the advantage in the upper hand but if he sleeps he, may, he makes a mistake Sakai can knock him out yeah no 100% I think this is a, a heavyweight banger that uh, is must see TV really honestly I mean obviously there's some big UFC events coming up a, a huge pay-per-view uh, you know next week but this is one where it, 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 you got to take the app with you on the go or you got to make sure you got the DVR set because if this plays out the way that it could it's going to be fireworks I really believe that yeah, I mean, and when you think about it, and I don't want to jump the gun here, I know you're probably going to get to this in a minute, but like the fact that the the main event and the co-main, co-main event are heavyweights, I mean, that just really, <laughs> that's really kind of a recipe for some some disaster for these guys. I mean, these guys are really going to go out there and just bang. And I can only imagine like the sounds that it's going to make from cage side of these heavyweights just like crashing into each other back to in back to back fights so yeah this is you know this is a card that i feel like has been slept on and it, it comes after a week of not having a fight right but i think there are a lot of good fights good interesting fights on this and it's one of them cards i think is a sleeper you may not have some of the name recognition but the the opportunities that these guys are getting you could tell you know they're going to take advantage of it and really try to show up yeah, no, 100%. And, and for good reason. You mentioned uh, the, the co-main event, Walt Harris taking on uh, Marcin Tabura. Um, th- this heavyweight uh, class has always been this way, Dean. Um, but it, it doesn't matter if you're in the top you know, five or the top 15 or the top 25. I don't know if it's just because of the size and the power, but you can see upsets on any given night. And Walt Harris is a guy that I, I would never, ever count out uh, in a fight, taking on Marcin Tabora, who you know is very dangerous in his own right. And yeah, there's that flair there. There's that heavyweight feel that you know we're going to walk away from Saturday night's fights. Maybe it doesn't have the name value like you're saying, but we're going to have some clarity uh, among you know some of the, the latter half of the top 10 into the top uh, you know 15 rankings-wise where these guys you know, really sort of flesh themselves out and, and where they're going in the future. Skill for skill, Walt Harris stacks up well with anybody. And I know this from firsthand experience because I've worked with Walt for many years. And I've always thought he's one of the better heavyweights. He's one of my favorite heavyweights. He's one of my favorite human beings. But I think at times he's been a little gun shy in fights and the lights have been a bit bright for him. So he he's never really been able to pull the trigger consistently like he wanted to. Now, when we saw him fight 
uh, Alex Olenek. I mean, Alexi Olenek. So, like, that was the Walt Harris that I expect to see in other fights. And I'm hoping that's the Walt Harris that we get to see on Saturday night because that Walt Harris could beat any heavyweight because he is extremely dangerous. He moves well. He moves from playing basketball. He played college basketball. So, from playing basketball, he's got movement like a point guard. But he, but he's a heavyweight. So, like, if he gets going and he's confident and he does his thing, man, this guy is is electric. When you look at at Walt Harris, I mean, he he's a guy who stepped up in in the most hardest of circumstances and went out there and fought Alistair over him. And the fact that he's gone through that, and and I know it didn't work out for him on that night, but the fact that like that shows an immense amount of heart to go through personal struggle and, and to still be optimistic and go out there. And you know, uh, that's the thing too. Like when he falls, like he he's never going to fall too far from the top ten. Like he's always a guy that I feel like if you're going to have have him fight three times, he's going to win probably two out of three, maybe three out of three. Uh, I, well, I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I have a hard time saying that he's not going to march himself into, uh, you know, a, a top five sort of bout to where he could, you know, try to make a claim at a title eliminator or something like that. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, even if you look at the fight against Alistair Overeem, like, he was seconds away from having his hand raised in the in the first round i yeah. mean it was a different referee would have stopped that fight so like depending on the referee we're looking at a guy who overcame that adversity from what he went through went out there in a different if a different referee stopped that fight walt harris would have been a hero that night and right you know and it could have changed his career path but instead alistair over him somehow managed to survive the referee let it go on Walt loses that fight, and now Walt is where he is now. But, you know, like, just little inches. We'll play a game of inches, and those right. little inches change the outcome of, of what maybe his future could be right now. But I'll tell you what, man, like, he's still dynamic. He still has it. And as a heavyweight, like, you can be a little bit older and, and still be able right. to get away with things. I think, Walt, I, think, I think Walt still has a future ahead of him. Um, looking at him doing that flying knee against Olenek, like that—that that is something that not a lot of heavyweights are going to do. You know what I mean? Like be able to bring up a, a double pump flying knee. Uh, and granted, it's Alexei Olenek. I mean, the man is clearly a grappler. Yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is that that almost makes it even more dangerous to fly. Uh, you know, go flying like that because if Olenek gets you down, like you're going to be in a world you don't want to be in. Yeah, but you know, like, but the, I think it came down to. Not only just that knee and it showed the athleticism of Walt, but his speed is is different. You know, he's got different type of heavyweight speed. Well, he punches faster. He angles off better than most guys. And he's a southpaw. It's like hitting a fastball from Randy Johnson. Um, what is it about that old saying of, of, you know, if they show up, if they are accurate to who they um, truly are skill-wise on fight night? Because, like, I feel like we hear that a lot. Like, when, when a fighter yeah. comes up short, they're like, I just didn't feel it. It wasn't myself. Like, as someone who's fought under the bright lights, Dean, how do you ensure that you are who you need to be on fight night? Because I feel like sometimes even the best athletes in the world, just for whatever reason, can't put it all together when they need to. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part, too, because, you know, when you play in the NBA, you play 80-something games a season, and it's like sometimes you can afford not to show up. Right. But as a fighter, you fight twice a year, three times a year, and the circumstances are so great that, like, sometimes, you know, and I liken it to this, and this is something that the common person can relate to. Everyone can talk. Anybody sure. can talk. But when you when it's time to get up in front of the class and give a speech— the words get heavy, your tongue gets heavy, 
you stutter, your voice cracks. And that's what happens to fighters. When it's time to fight, they stutter, they get tense, they hesitate, and it's just not the same. And that's what we mean by not showing up. That guy who was in the gym, who was loose and free and able to do the things that he's capable of, when it's time to fight, when the lights get bright, they hesitate, they get heavy, they get tense, and they don't fight as well. And that's what it means to not show up. And sometimes you can't really predict it. Like sometimes you think you're going to show up, then when the night comes, for whatever reason, you just don't show up. And it's one of those unfortunate things. That's why I always give credit to the guys that consistently show up because they've been able to manage their emotions a little bit better, manage their psychology better, and just able to really focus and stay relaxed. Yeah, that's one thing that I think about as well. Like, think of another sport that you go out and you have one bad game and people are then questioning your career because that's what happens in combat sports. You have one off night and people aren't talking about, oh, you know, you'll just get back and go, you know, further next time. Sometimes they're like, well, is he done? Is this the, the yeah, beginning like, of the end? And it's like, come on now. Yeah, and from me, because, you know, I've been around here for a long time and I've been working with fighters my half my life. Right. And I've never thought that. And I've never, like, when some guys just don't show up, I go, all right, you know, he's got some mental issues he's got to work through. He's got some blocks. But as long as they're not getting physically hurt, it doesn't matter. Like, you can lose, 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 lose. If you're not getting physically hurt, you can work through those mental obstacles. You can get past that. But if you're getting physically hurt, then it's like, all right, it's, it might be time to give it up. Right. Um, let's talk about uh, Walt Harris's opponent, Martin Tibera, on a, a pretty nice run. Uh, you got to go back a few years uh, to even to find his uh, last loss. It was to uh, Augusta Sakai uh, back in uh, 2019. Um, you know, had a solid 2020, picking up uh, four wins, uh, most uh, notably and most recently, uh, Greg Hardy. It was a decision win over uh, Ben Rothwell uh, before that. So momentum is definitely on the side of Martin Tibera. Uh, your thoughts on, on what he's been able to do and, and just the idea of momentum as well, because back-to-back -back wins over Rothwell and Hardy, while they don't necessarily have anything to do with this fight, Dean, it is nice to have, you know, those career sort of moments uh, in your last two fights to, to go in there and, and, you know, try to propel yourself to a victory in a co-main event. Yeah, I was, I was actually with Hardy when he um, beat Greg and, you know, I trained Greg for that fight, and and Greg did very well in in that first round. He just he gassed out. He you know he and but I don't want to take anything away from from Ty Bure because with Ty Bure, Ty Bure made him gas out. So while it's easy to say Greg gassed out because of his cardio, I'm gonna put the credit, give the credit to Ty Bure because it was Ty Bure's pressure, right, and his willingness to show no fear and to keep coming forward when he was when he was on the receiving end of punishment and that those type of things, where's a guy out? Where's the, you know, Greg was winning the fight, but he was getting wore out because Tybura was like, give me everything you got and I'm going to keep coming forward. Now that's, that's a sign of experience and sophistication and just, you know, great, you know, ring or cage generalship. And I got to give him credit for that. Now that coupled with the fact that he has so much experience and he's, you know, he, black belt Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, he's a really super durable, tough guy. I mean, he's he's dangerous for anybody to fight. Like, skill for skill, I think he's a bit slow, especially compared to Walt Harris. But his durability, his toughness, and his will to win is unmatched. 
Yeah. Um, and this is probably as big, if not bigger, uh, of an opportunity for Tybura than any of the other fights. I mean, uh, you know, obviously Greg Hardy has some cachet to his name. Ben Rothwell is a, a, a veteran for a decade plus, it feels like now, at this point in the UFC. But for Tybura to be in this spot against Walt Harris uh, on, on a night of heavyweight action... Um, if he gets a win, it's going to put himself uh, in a pretty comfortable spot uh, moving forward. Let's actually take a look at the uh, rankings. Uh, obviously, they all chase Francis Ngannou, who is your reigning and defending uh, UFC heavyweight champion. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's a single name in this top 10 list, Dean, where you're like, yeah, I want that fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I know. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. And then, God forbid, you win because you got to fight the the best in the world right now at heavyweight, and Francis Ngannou. And you know, it, it's it's interesting. This is a heavyweight division that a, a lot of the players stay the same. We we talked about that earlier. You can be uh, an elite level heavyweight uh, a lot longer in that division than you can uh, you know really any other in, in mixed martial arts. But when you get to the top and you, and you have to face someone like Francis Ngannou, uh, you're going to find out how good you are or aren't real quick. Yeah, in the heavyweight division, and I think, me, TJ, me, we may have talked about this before, it's as intriguing as it's ever been. I mean, it's probably the most intriguing as it's been in the last decade or so, like with the, the, the talent that's at heavyweight, the storylines that are at heavyweight, John Jones coming up to heavyweight. Right. I mean, this, this division right now is the best it's ever been in the last 10 years, and I'm excited for it. And I think that the fact that this event this weekend has two key fights says a lot about the division and these guys can make a statement for themselves because they're you know they're the epicenter of mma for the week so you know marson or maria marson tybura walt harris whoever wins that fight can really step up uh, biggie boy and sakai whoever wins that fight can really step up and showcase themselves you know that's what i'll say uh you know uh, that's a strong statement by you saying that this is the the best the heavyweight division has been in the last uh 10 years i, I think you will find some people that will argue with that statement but this is what i will say and i think this is why maybe they feel like the heavyweight division was better uh a few years ago this is a division that has constantly been sort of lorded over by like three or four names now we're looking at guys that are on the outside of the top 10 that, again, I really feel like they could beat anybody on any given night. Where, you know, back in the day, it was the number one, number two contenders and the champion. And outside of that, it was just sort of a crapshoot. It didn't matter because you didn't feel like anyone had a chance to beat the, the, the heavyweight champ. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, anybody can argue with me if they want. And you can argue, you know, what I'm saying ain't, ain't gospel. You know what I'm saying? It ain't written in stone. But what I'm saying is this. Like you said... Before, the heavyweight division had three, maybe four guys who looked good. Right Now, the heavyweight top ten looks good. And then there's these up-and-coming guys who you're going, give them two years. This guy's going to be a killer. The heavyweight division has never had that. Never had a, a deep top ten. And then guys on the outside who you said, who you could su suggest, all right, when this guy, give him a couple years and he's going to be a killer. I mean, we're looking at that in the heavyweight division right now. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's better when it's that way, right? Like, I understand that continuity of a champion and someone that, you know, lords over the division for a decade, like, that's greatness. That's consistency. We celebrate that in sport. But I also like the idea that you can never really be comfortable 
going into a fight night going, all right, well, blue corner's going to dominate red corner tonight because that's just the way it is. Like, we like sports because of the unexpected. And, you know, the the saying is any given Sunday uh, in football, any given Saturday in, in fighting. And uh, I think the sport's better for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the idea that it, I mean, it makes it, that's what makes it inter- interesting, the, the storylines. And that's what's always going to make sports and being able to watch sports live a thing as opposed to, you know, where TV may be going now where it's like everything is dig- or streaming. Right. But sports is always going to be live for the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. Now, if if you can always predict that one guy's going to win, what's the reason for watching it? Who cares? Right, right, yeah. I mean, also, too, if that's the case, then just bet all your money and then become a billionaire overnight if you're that smart. You're not going to do that in MMA, though. It's just not a thing. Yeah, and who cares? Like I said, like I, I like watching sports because it's, it's unpredictable. It's spontaneous. You yep. never know what's going to happen. Yep. Especially um, with heavyweights. He's Dean Thomas. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. Uh, you can give us a call, 917-UFC-TALK. You can get at us uh, on uh, social platforms, uh, at TJ DeSantis, at Dean Thomas. Uh, we're streaming live on Twitch. We're getting some uh, uh, notifications in the chat, people saying some stuff. Uh, Nova Brand uh, says, a Big fan, Dean. Who would ever think, based on your personality, you ever beat Matt Sarah? I don't know what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think people... You know, people find me to be a clown so they don't think that I can fight. Listen, I'm a clown, man, but you know what I'm saying? I still I still can juggle with these, though. Okay. I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I can't, that, I can't but juggle I, but, with anything. But tell but tell my man I appreciate that. You know, that makes me feel good because that I got layers. I try to have layers to my personality. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I try to be is the most generous, nice guy that I can be, kind guy I can be. But you know what I'm saying? you If you mess with my people. Right. You're going to have to deal with these. Right. Yeah. Uh, you say you have layers to your personality. That's not to be confused with multiple personalities because that's something yeah, yeah, completely yeah. different. <laughs> that's something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, we're, we're not officially to summer yet. I guess that's technically the 21st, but uh, it, it's hot in here. It's like 109 degrees in my studio because I got this stupid hot lamp on. And uh, I, got, I went and got my second COVID shot yesterday. So I'm just kind of feeling. Did you? Yeah. I'm kind of feeling like crap in general. Um, but, uh, that's not what I'm getting at. Uh, it's a new month and it marks the return of the ultimate fighter Dean. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for it because, uh, a variety of reasons. One, um, the ultimate fighter, like I'll never forget episode one. Um, the idea that mixed martial arts was on like regular TV. Granted, it wasn't uh, a fight at first. It was Dana basically yelling at people being like, look. Do you want to be a fighter? That's my question. Um, I'll never forget that. Like, it, yeah. Do, do you remember watching Ultimate Fighter One? You know what? I don't remember watching like the first couple episodes, but I remember catching some of it. I don't think I had cable at the time. I think that might have been the problem. I didn't either. I just worked at a radio station that did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a broke fighter when that was out, so like I don't even think I had cable. That's uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. I uh. I, I, when you watched uh, mixed martial arts in that tough era, was there a moment that you remember, like, "Oh crap, we're starting to actually get respect"? Um, wow, you know that's a, that's a very interesting question, and I've never thought about that actually. If like there was a time during that tough era, and probably not, man. Like I, I really, 
people people don't understand is that during that time, like no one thought that this would be a thing. Right. You know, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy to watch MMA today and be like, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, you don't even blink when you see guys cage yeah. fighting and you you know, flip yeah. through the channels. <laughs> but back then no one thought it was going to be like a thing. Like it right. was just a matter of time before it was like, all right, this is a fringe sport. It's going away. You know, it's like, like disc golf or something, you know, like, right. you know, who, yeah. who, who thought, you know, like no one knew, you know what it but, was. I, I, I bring this, uh, sort of comparison up a lot because it was around the same sort of time and, and granted you're, they're apples and oranges, but I remember when poker first came on yeah, television yeah. and like, yeah. I'll never forget like seeing poker on my TV and I had to stop because I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, why am I watching people play cards? But that became wildly popular on ESPN. And I feel, granted, fighting's a lot more entertaining than guys playing poker. But I feel like when people were actually exposed to MMA, it was sort of this like curiosity that just sort of stopped them dead in their tracks. And we all know what Forrest and, and Stefan Bonner did. Yeah, I tell you what, I remember when poker used to come on and i would be like how like why is espn playing poker and not fighting right like, yeah it used, it used to it really used to upset me to like other it should like, yes they were like all these lame sports would, right. like, or not, like fishing would be yeah. on tv i'd be like yo you all got fishing on tv and lumberjack competitions yes team. like that would i'm watching me. i'm watching a man like chop down a tree trying to do it faster than the other guy but i can't watch him fist fight yeah, I mean, that really that really bothered me. And I remember, but you know when it turned, like, I remember being on an airplane and watching Robbie Lawler fight. And, like, that was, like, okay. a, a, very pivotal, a, very, a very pivotal moment for me, sitting on an airplane watching a Robbie Lawler fight. And what, what, I was thinking to myself, like, damn, look how far we've come. Do you remember what year that was? Because was, he was on that uh, UFC 37 and a half card. Um, but that was, that's sort of pre-tough boom. Um, I don't yeah. know if that would have been the one, but like, uh, maybe it was one of the CBS shows, the elite XCs. Um, the, the bottom line though, is, is that that's a completely different era too. Like the fact that it made it to network television, like free over the air television a few years after the ultimate fighter, it's just, uh, it, it, I mean, obviously it, it holds a very special place in my heart. It's, you know, the sport that I cover for a living, but, uh, I just remember being able to actually talk to my friends and family and be like, see that weird stuff that I follow online and buy VHS copies and, and trade with other people. It's not, it's not as weird and geeky as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like I remember when I was fighting, I mean, it was like, everybody thought I was doing like karate kid tournaments. They right. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? They think they were, I was like fighting in high school gyms. Right. So <laughs> I think of the sacrifice. You can't even put, you know, earbuds in anymore because of your fighting career. I know. Like my ear, like every, every four sentences, my earbuds fall out. It's bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we gotta get <laughs> I you. Need, I need nice to get, ones. I need like, to get the headphones. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you a pair. Um, if you get a pair of nice headphones, you can listen to the ultimate fighter theme song. Uh, in, in high fidelity. Do you know the words to this song, Dean? No. They're pretty amazing. Um, so obviously it's, uh, ooh, you're gonna get hit. Ooh, you're gonna get knocked out. Ooh, you're gonna feel it. It's the ultimate. But, I, like, I, I used to sing this song a lot. Like, fast. Like, I'm kind of a new metal geek. And I think that I can... I mean, I don't want to do it live on the radio, but, like, I might surprise you with my vocal ability with music like this. Really? Yeah. Well, well, Bear witness to the fitness of the modern warrior. 
ooh, you're going to get hit, ooh, you're going to get knocked out, ooh, you're going to feel it. Well, why don't well, yeah? Why don't you really uh, dig into this nah. vocal thing, TJ, and 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 bless us with your um your talent. No, maybe maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> you know what though? Before the Ultimate Fighter got on Spike TV and was a big deal, I remember Dean Thomas doing freestyle raps on Ryan Bennett's radio show. Oh my God, I can't believe that. So I actually I did a, I got a rap coming out tomorrow, man. That I did on my radio show today, man. So make sure y'all check my Instagram and my Twitter handle for that at Dean Thomas. Cause really? I mean, yeah, man. I, listen, every once in a while I bust out with a, a couple bars. I was gonna say, like the cool kids say, you spit bars. Yeah, I, I spit fire every once in a while. I, I just understood what bars were. Don't say fire because I don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is it like hot bars? Yeah. Yeah, like they're like hot bars. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Ultimate Fighter, you were on the Ultimate Fighter uh, season yep. four, the comeback. Um, you know, with with the Ultimate Fighter returning, uh, I, I still think the number is is less than it was, but I still think that a, a reality based show like this gets new eyeballs that never looked at the sport before. And now that the the show has been off for a few years, it's still a, an amazing vehicle uh, to to get people that weren't you know normally exposed to it or show a different side of it as well because now we have so many fights dean where i feel like the ufc can't even adequately promote all of them because you know there's one fight card after another but through the ultimate fighter we get to really meet these people as much as you can through a, a television show um you know when you were going into the house uh on, on the comeback season were you afraid about like what sort of dean thomas the people uh were gonna get to know and and sort of try to understand through the show well you know not really so like i understand how editing works i mean not as, i don't know i didn't understand it fully back then but I did understand that, you know, they can kind of edit you the way they want to, like they can kind of create something. But right. I also understood that if you're just yourself, you know, it's not much they can really do with that, you know. So they can either they can totally edit you out of the show, but they can't make you do something that you didn't do. So, like, I knew that if I was just myself, that that would have to come across in some way or they were just going to edit me out. Because And, that, and they did at times because I remember like somebody saying, man, you didn't talk a lot when you were in the house. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I was in the house for six weeks. Like, what do you mean I didn't talk a lot? Right. They just edit me out. They just, you know, I didn't say anything interesting, probably. Right. You didn't fit but, the narrative um, for that week. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't fit the narrative. Like, because they, they have to tell a story every week. And I didn't, you know, I, I may not have had much to say to what they were talking about. Right. But I was just, you know, the, the reality is, is that they, they bring you in a house for because they like who you are. So you have to do who you are. And, um. And I and I, I did understand that, so I didn't want to try to fake it and be some somebody I wasn't. And I think some of these kids start that way, and they try to you know be this bad guy or you know somebody right. they're not, and it doesn't last long. And, and it's easy to it's easy to make them look like a jackass. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's the thing. I feel like not just with the Ultimate Fighter, but just in combat sports in general, a lot of people think that they need to be a certain way to be marketable. And I think through tough, you're going to find out if that's going to work or not real quick. And unfortunately, when the editors have to like deal with it, you, you might find out over the course of 12 weeks when you're back at home. So here and, and TJ, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a little tip to all the young fighters out there, because, you know, obviously this game is about relatability. You get fans by being relatable. Right. But the best thing you can do, don't ever try to be somebody. You're not authenticity always wins. 
And whoever your authentic self is, there is a market for you. You just got to be able to find them. So, like, if you are a nerd that plays with Star, Bo- Star Wars char- characters and comic and read comic books, that's who you are. Right. Don't be try that to guy. pretend not to. Yeah, be that guy. Because yeah. there's some comic book fans out there that will get behind you. So, be that guy. Right. No, 100%. Uh, you can also be the guy that Dean Thomas was uh, fighting here, Mikey Burnett. Mikey Burnett was one of my favorite fighters, by the way. I was so excited to, to see that he was on the show. Did you know who was on the show when you were coming into it, or was it revealed to you when he finally got there? No, I mean, that, that was a rumors and speculation of who was going to be on the show. I, nothing was definite. I mean, we and we were all together when we auditioned for it. So it right. was like we saw a lot of the people at the audition. So we kind of had an idea who would be on the show. Um, I was hoping that Mikey would be on. Like, I didn't even know I was going to get on the show, honestly. I think it came down to, like, me and Frank Trigg and Nick Diaz and, like, they were like, man, I ain't doing that stupid shit. And they were like, ah, just let Dean come in. So, like, that's how I got on, I think. They declined. Well, it was weird to me because, like, some of the guys that you had mentioned, too, like, didn't feel like they needed a comeback season to get back in the UFC. Like, I felt like a lot of you guys were still very much there. You know what I mean? Oh, but- yeah. Yeah, some of these guys didn't need it. Like, I needed it. <laughs> I was like, yo, what, what am I going to do with myself? What did you learn from the show? Like, obviously, I think you and Matt became a lot closer through the show, correct? Yeah, me and Matt became the best of friends on the show. Like, prior to that, we had already fought and we had beef. So, like, we we hated each other going into the house. Yeah, it's crazy. So, what happened? We at the audition, like we were walking around the mall. Like they took us to the mall. We're walking around the mall, and Matt was like, "Yo, man, let's just talk." And I said, "All right, man, what's up?" And then he said, "Man, what are we?" What are we fighting over? I was like, you know what? I don't even know. <laughs> and then we was like, this is stupid. And right. then next thing I know, we, we were roommates in the house and we were best of friends. And and Matt is, you know, one of my best friends in the entire world. What what was it like? Because, I mean, you were like a grown man, like going into a house like that, like it's like college living all over again. Right. Like that that had to be the hardest part. It felt like that, you know, but that was the thing, though, was everybody else in the house was grown men, too. Right. Like I like. Like I could have met, like I was actually going to be on season five of the Ultimate Fighter really? with um where they did the lightweights. Like I, they wanted me to come back, and I was like, hell no, I'm not coming back with these young kids. But I had no problem going on when I knew it was like you know Travis Luter right. and you know, you know Pete Spratt. Pete Spratt was like my father's age at the time, and it was just like you know it was everybody was old you know so like i knew it was going to be just a bunch of us old dudes in the crib we were all over 30 right you know so I, so i was okay with that was that the first season that the house didn't get destroyed did you guys destroy well, the house we only they only destroyed the house like the last day like the okay. last day mikey burnett like ran through the wall and did some some other crazy pranks but by that time we were like all right this ain't our house so let's just go ahead and kill it right yeah <laughs> i mean might as well went in rome you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was like, you know, they don't care. Like they want good TV. Yeah. Let's go and run through this wall. Were were you surprised how it shook out? Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised with who was in the finale. Um I mean, the the fact that the show turned out the way it did where Matt Sarah beats Chris Lytle and, and you know, pulls off the biggest upset in in mixed martial arts history by beating George St. Pierre, it, it's a it's an amazing sort of ending to that story. But when when guys started fighting, were were you surprised by anyone's skill or or taken aback by, you know, guys that maybe were perceived to be past their prime that still very much had a, a long career ahead of them? No, the only person whose skill that I was really surprised at 
was uh, Travis Luter. I didn't realize he was as good as he is on the ground. Uh, and Travis Luter, he coaches Kevin Holland now. Yep. But I didn't realize he was as good as he was. Like, he was an amazing jiu-jitsu player. And had he been more of a fighter, mentally a fighter and, you know, a better competitor, he would have gave Anderson Silva a better run. I mean, he had Anderson in trouble a couple right. times. But, you know, Anderson was just too experienced and too much of a fighter for Travis to really take advantage of. Well, him. Travis but also Travis, missed weight in that fight, too. So, like, yeah. you got to wonder how he was physically. Yeah. yeah, well, not only just physically, but just, like, missing weight with it for an opportunity like that is kind of like, dude, do you really want to be here? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, is this is your opportunity, but you don't right. miss and wait. So, like, I think that's really what it was. Was Ch Travis wasn't prepared for the moment. Again, didn't show up. But he right. didn't show up not on not only on fight night, but he didn't show up weeks prior to the fight. Like, he just wasn't prepared for the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you did you start to get fanfare after tough? Like, did you could you go out in public and people like start to recognize you more? Oh my god! Like to me. That was the most fanfare I've ever had, even like till now, probably, really? except for like, except for when I'm like at a UFC event. Sure. But I remember going out like when the, when, the, when the show first started airing, I remember going out because like, remember, like that was a big thing back then. The Ultimate Fighter was, was a big thing back then. And it came on every week. Yeah. So every week people saw me on TV. So they were like. Yo, Dean, like I go out my my little neighborhood and everybody's like, Yo, Dean Thomas. So like that was like that was when I really first started experiencing it. I don't even get it as much now as I did back really? then because it, again, it was on TV every. That's week. true. That is true. I mean, there, there's something to be said about appointment television, right? Where yeah, you know, even if you weren't fighting, you were still there. You were in the background and and whatnot. Yeah, we were on TV every week for an hour. So like, yeah. you know, I was I had a lot more exposure. So people really. So I mean I think like, but then but then when it when after the show ended you know then obviously it started dying down and then then I didn't experience any fanfare for like ten years. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah yeah it's great. It was That's great. Funny. Now yeah now now that I'm back with Dana again I'm getting it a little bit more but not that I really care but. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter holds a, a very special uh, spot in, in my heart. That was my actual uh, first dates with my wife. We would get together uh, at, a fr at a friend's house, and we'd just watch Tough on Monday nights. Man, that's so romantic. No wonder she fell in love with you. She's from Iowa, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Right. You know, so, she, she, I mean, I, I don't know what that really, that statement means. I guess maybe, you know, they wrestle in Iowa, so... It wasn't yeah, I just, all that odd to her. Was she like was she on the you know Pat Militich for governor train? Uh, no, no, I don't I, I no, I don't my, my brother in law knew who Pat Militich was though because he lived in the Quad Cities and apparently I mean Pat's royalty in the Quad Cities. Yeah, I know. So like so like you know, my son he's doing like the whole soccer recruiting thing. So we have like this recruiter who helps us out and she's from Iowa from the Quad Cities and she's like, Do you know Pat Militich? I'm like, Oh my god. <laughs> Um, are you paying people to say nice things about you in the Twitch chat? No, what are they saying? Uh, Ryan Scott says the best thing Dana ever did on looking for a fight was get Dean on there. Uh, it made it uh, heaps more funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan. I totally appreciate you. Stay blessed, my brother. Stay blessed. I need to get some people to say nice things about me in that chat. They will. They will. Maybe. I need TJ, to you, are, you are the man. Thank you. I am I am a man. I don't know if I am the man, but uh, I am the man that's getting on a plane tomorrow, uh, heading down going? to uh, Cancun for uh, combat jujitsu. 
Good um, for you, man. How's well, that working out? That's great. I mean, I like I, I love combat jujitsu. I love calling fights. We've called fights. You know this. But I mm-hmm. really love it more when Eddie Bravo's like, TJ, I need to pay you money to fly to an all-inclusive resort to watch jujitsu. I'm like, all right, Eddie, fine. If I have mm-hmm. to, I can go to an all-you-can-eat buffet of just awesomeness, essentially. <laughs> I got to go to work. Yeah, 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 man. And I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy that you are still working all these shows, man. Like, it's really saying a lot about you and what you've done for yourself. I'm just happy to be here on Extra Rounds with you. Yeah, and I'm happy to be here on Extra Rounds with you. Oh, look, let's look at the yeah. romance. Yeah. Who needs Pearl? Who needs Pearl? Where oh, is Pearl anyway? I don't know. Uh, she's training. She got a she got a fight coming up. She's doing oh, a boxing yeah, match. I've seen that. So, yeah, I've yeah. seen that. Um, where's my candle? Oh, my bad, TJ. I got you. I promise you. Right. I promise you. You said that before. I've been, I know I've been making I've been making some super duper candles too, man. I got you. Just send me your address again. I got you this well, week. Well, I'm I'm hoping maybe like our paths will cross. You know, there's a big fight card coming up in July. Vegas isn't that far from me. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm I mean, going to be in Vegas. I think I should be there too. I'm just saying, like, I don't make those decisions. Actually, I do. I could just drive there and be like, I'm here. And then hopefully someone feels bad about me being there and gives me something to do. You should come out to Vegas. So, um, and I want, so here's my, here's my plan, TJ. You know, me, Rashad Evans and Eve Edwards, we, we shot a movie a few months ago. It's, it's a short film. Okay. And I, w- I would love to premiere that in Vegas during that fight week. So, like, I'm hoping that it's done by that it's all finished by then because I'd love to prepare. Like, I'm going to rent out a movie theater and then just premiere it. Can everybody. you do that? Can you rent out a yeah. movie? Yeah. Really? You can, yeah. Awesome. If you, if you like, rent it out, could, like, we maybe play the UFC video game? on I'm, the screen i'm thinking so. so too like we could like start off with some ufc comp- video game competitions i like it and then uh play our little movie and then finish off with some other ufc video game competitions yeah i like it i, For I the mean, fans. i'm down i'm down let's yeah. do that eve edwards one of my favorite people by the way yeah yeah eve is my boy that's yeah. my boy yeah um what else we got to do here there's a couple things we got to do here before we uh before we bounce um Watch Combat Jiu-Jitsu this Sunday, mm-hmm. live on UFC Fight Pass. Um, but uh, also, no post-show this Saturday, but we got a lot coming up uh, next week. Um, also, I mean, Israel Adesanya taking on Marvin Vittori. Uh, I hope to get you back to, to break that fight down a little bit before uh, it takes place. But what are your thoughts initially? I mean, they, they had their first meeting. Uh, it was a split decision uh, for, for Izzy. Obviously, some things have changed. Vittori's been you know on the upswing, but Adesanya's really come into his own capturing that belt but he is coming off uh, a loss to Jan Blahovich. your thoughts on the the meeting the second time around um for me all right so like Israel out of sight and I'm not trying to say he's overrated but what I will say is this there is no reason for me to believe that Marvin Vittori can't do the same thing that Jan Blahovich did to him so um if if I gotta I'm gonna say this if Israel Adesanya has a better answer to or to what Jan Blahovich did. He 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 should win. But if he didn't answer and solve that problem and solve the riddle, then I'm going with Marvin Vittori in this fight because I really do believe Marvin Vittori can do the exact same thing. It's a in real fact, test, probably yeah, and probably even a little easier than Jan did because Marvin Vittori is a little stickier sure. and he's a little quicker. Yeah. Um. 
I, I like it for the exact same reasons that you said. It, it's it's a fight that I, I think stylistically Adesanya can win. Maybe he even should win. But the bottom line is it's not an easy win. And Vittori, you know, can definitely do what he did the first time around, borrow maybe some some tactics that work for Blahovich and, and maybe improve upon them. Uh, this is one of those fights where I feel like the, the win uh, or loss, for that matter, is going to say a lot about Israel Adesanya and, and where he's moving forward here. Because coming off the, the, that loss to Blahovich is tough, but it's in a different weight class. We'll see if he can put that behind him and, uh, you know, really continue his reign over this middleweight class. Yeah, but you know the thing is, man, is it like everybody talks about the weight class and him moving up in weight, but that fight didn't really hit the ground. That fight didn't hit the ground until the fourth and fifth round. That, that so, is a narrative that is is often forgotten for sure. Yeah, so we you can say what you want about the weight class, but that fight was back and forth on the feet for the first three rounds, and it never hit the ground until the fifth or fourth round. So um, the weight really didn't have that much to do with it. Yeah, um, there were other there were other factors. There were other things that Jan Blahovich did to really kind of stifle the offensive attack of Israel Adesanya. And that's what I'm saying is that I think, that, you know, Rafael Cordero and those guys over at Kings MMA might be able to look at that fight. They also can look at their first fight and go, here's where we did well in our first fight. Here's what we can bring to this fight. Here's what Jan Blahovich did well. Here's what we can bring to this fight. And I think Marvin can really formulate a game plan and have the blueprint to beat Israel Adesanya. Um, you know, going back to Izzy in his last fight at 205 pounds, you know, you said the weight class didn't have too much to do with it necessarily. But I'm curious, do you think that that's a weight that Adesanya will or should go back to at some point and try? I mean, I don't know. You know, the thing is, like, it not even more so than the weight that was his biggest disadvantage. Well, that, that's the narrative that that was his biggest disadvantage. Really, his biggest disadvantage was the fact that he's not a grappler. Right. You know, like if you know if he was better on like could like if like if if Jan Blahovich was on top of Greg Jones, Greg Jones would su submit him. You know what I'm saying? Like that's right. yeah, that's the reality. Is it like Israel Adesanya is not a grappler? I mean, he's he's a bit uncomfortable on his back. So the fact that he got put on his back, he just didn't have a lot of answers. He didn't have he didn't have a lot of options and he didn't have a lot of answers. So but that's not necessarily a grapple heavy division. Jan Blahovich is grapple heavy, but that's not necessarily a grapple heavy division. I think he can still go up to 205 and fight guys, you know, some of the other guys like Dominic Reyes and those guys and and do pretty well. But, you know, unless he fights a grapple heavy guy, you know, he's going to have problems. When you uh, talk about moving up and, and down, you know, obviously, you know, weight classes, they're different. Uh, you know, moving up to, to 185 is a lot different than uh, moving up to, you know, heavyweight from, from light heavyweight. Uh, you know, like when, when you move up from 205 pounds to, to heavyweight, you know, you could be walking in at 220 pounds or you could be at the end of the other scale and be coming in at 265 pounds. Um, we, we talked a little bit about John Jones. What do you think his heavyweight self will look like when he gets there? Is it going to be a significantly different fighter than we've seen at 205 pounds? Well, I hope not because then it's unpredictable of what the result can be. I think that if John Jones fights at heavyweight, he needs to pretty much keep his same style, maybe even wrestle a little more. Because, you know, that's something that heavyweights are probably 
like lacking in the most like from any division heavyweights are probably the worst grapplers i mean it's pretty evident about that so and john jones is is not a bad grappler so like at heavyweight if he can maintain what he does did at light heavyweight in terms of using his distance his range and using some footwork every so often and his diversity in striking if he just grapples a little more as a heavyweight i think that he will be very successful i'm i'm curious to see what it will look like um you know heavyweight is a different beast and uh I, I think John will be better suited to try to use his speed, um, but I don't know. You know, maybe maybe wrestling and, and trying to clinch will will serve him a bit better. You know, I, I asked for people to say nice things about me, Dean, in the Twitch. They're dogging you already. I don't know if this is nice or not. Uh, guy on the left, that's me, uh, looks like Dana and Joe mixed. Really? I mean, that's, Joe. Joe. You're just Joe saying, Rogan? yeah. You're just saying that what bald white guys look the same. I mean, listen, TJ, it's kind of a compliment to be honest with you. I mean, the other week someone said I look like Matt Sarah. Again, it's still I a just, compliment. I do, bald white guys. I look like them. That's what you're saying. All bald white guys look alike. That's why I wear the glasses to differentiate. Yeah. You know, it's like this is my <laughs> That's thing. That's true, but you know what, man, like. A lot of bald white guys do look alike, but when they wear glasses, right? That is that does that is a little creepy. What do you mean creepy? That makes it that makes it a little creepy. Because like you like my bald white guys look tough. You know what I'm saying? They look like they they look like they right. supposed to be in prison. Right. Then you wear glasses. Now it looks like you not supposed to be in prison. I don't think I'm supposed to be in prison. Yeah. So, are you saying I need to get like tribal tattoos and stuff? Yes. Tin foil on my t-shirt. Tin foil on your t-shirt. Tribal tattoos. Goatee, maybe. Some stubble on your face. I can't really grow no. stubble. It just doesn't no. work. Yeah. D get rid of the glasses, though. I'm and not, not that I think it's like not that I think get rid of the glasses. No, you're crazy. It's just like we just you need you need to look like you on death row. I mean, I can just get my rap game up and then maybe sound like I'm on death row, the label. that's That works, you know, whatever works. All right. You and I, we're going to work on some bars. <laughs> bars. I like yeah. Snickers. I like Milky Way. I like Kit Kat. I like other stuff. Dean, nice catching up with you. We'll have to talk again soon. My man, TJ, listen, I'm, I'm going to have your candle for you this week, man, so that the next time you're on air, you can show everybody what I made for you. It better smell good. It's supposed to smell good, but what do you like? Do you like vanilla scents or, like, fruity scents? I feel like I can't give you an answer here that isn't something that is going to be turned <laughs> around on me. So I like things that smell good, Dean. Make it smell good. Okay, I got you, man. Don't worry about it. I'm right. a man, I'm a, I got you right. All right. All right, my man. We'll talk soon. We'll see you later, Dean. Peace. He's Dean Thomas. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds here on Ooh. UFC Fight Pass. We are not done. Uh, Going to be joined by one of the greatest running backs the NFL has ever seen. Uh, his name is Reggie Bush, played for the New Orleans Saints. We will talk to him and uh, also get you some info on uh, some original programming headed your way live on UFC Fight Pass. So stick around. It's Extra Rounds. It's been a long journey for the true believers who champion MMA before it was fashionable. Through the ups and downs, many have come and gone, 
while two iconic brands stayed in the fight. I'm turning the page and breaking away. The UFC and Venom are pioneers of combat sports. Bold innovators and history makers who shaped the future by delivering what fans want and what fighters need. Today, with mixed martial arts surging in global popularity, the UFC and Venom have joined forces, and the next evolution in combat sports is just getting started. I'm just getting started. You can knock me down. Never knock me out. Came back feeling brand new. Tell me how you like me now. When you find the perfect fit, it just feels right. I bet you thought it was done. Really, we only begun. Yeah. UFC Fight Kits by Venom. Inspired by the journey, evolved for the future. We're back here on Extra Rounds. TJ DeSantis along with one of the great running backs of the game. It is Reggie Bush, kind enough to give us a few moments here. Uh, Reggie, how have things been? I mean, it's it's a weird uh, last 12 plus months with COVID and everything, but how have you been keeping busy? Uh, it's been good for me and our family. I think the family time together, you know, being in quarantine, uh, has been good for us in the sense of, um, you know, we, we've been able to learn some things about each other. We've been able to grow, mature, and we've tried to use this time, um, as best we can, obviously with the nature of everything going on in our country, everybody's suffering. Um, you know, our, our first, you know, first and foremost is just making sure, um, we're healthy, and trying to make sure the people around us are healthy as well. Yeah, you know, one thing that I think gets overlooked during all of this is obviously it's, it's a health crisis, it's a pandemic, but mental health can suffer during this time as well. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think that's one thing that people that have been able to keep busy and, and, you know, focus their energies on things have really been able to come out the other side of this, you know, stronger mentally. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it sucks that, you know, we were kind of forced into this, um, you know, as a country and, and just, you know, everybody else that has been involved and affected by it. Uh, but I think we've also been able to learn from it as well and hopefully grow from it. And that's what's most important, you know, is learning and growing from these situations, situations and experiences so that next time we're better prepared when something like this happens again. Yeah, no, I, d I definitely agree. Hopefully that's not uh, anytime soon, but yeah. uh, I think a lot of us do know that we have the skills to cope uh, if necessary. One of my coping skills has been watching mixed martial arts. The UFC has ran you know, primarily throughout the entire uh, duration of the pandemic, really just missing yeah. Only about a month, um, you know, but, but football, I'm mean, like college football is like just wrapping up. Like it's, it's weird to think that in May I was on a, a plane watching the the division two college football uh, championships. What, what are your thoughts on how football was handled at the college level uh, throughout all of this? Well, I think it's everybody tried to adjust as best as they could. You know, um, football was I mean, was hit pretty hard, I would yeah. say, by COVID and and just the games that were canceled in college or players that, you know, had to miss games or coaches that had to miss games. And so everybody tried to adjust as best as they could. You know, again, this is something that we haven't, you know, had to deal with, um, you know, on this level, you know, especially to the point to where you see sports are affected. You talked about UFC having to be, you know, shut down for some time. And um, I think everybody did the best that they could with it, you know. And so, 
Uh, I'm so happy, though, that we it seems like we are getting more back to, you know, getting back to some normalcy um, with sports and, and um, you know, with everything on TV, because uh, like you talked about with the mental health and all those different things, it's just good to see people, you know, starting to get back to work and life, you know, somewhat getting back to normal. Yeah, no, 100%. When I, when I look at college football fans, though, it, it's funny. You can kind of tell where people come down on certain issues with how they yeah. view that 2020 season. What are your yeah. thoughts on, on how the 2020 season is you know, going to be perceived uh, moving forward? I think it's going to be perceived as just a, kind of a roller coaster of a year. You know, yeah. it, it was one of those seasons where it's just like whichever team was the healthiest was the team that really had a shot to be in it at the end, you know, and – and uh, we saw, you know, that happen with teams um, and some conferences, you know, that that canceled games and games that, have, that could have helped, you know, teams in, in certain scenarios. And so, you know, that's kind of what you got. And that's kind of what we dealt with. Yeah, no, 100%. Is that something that you uh, you know, still enjoy? I know you're an analyst. You're an uh, yeah. NFL analyst. You're, you're, you're breaking down football. Um, do, do, you, do you enjoy the game differently now than when you were a player? Well, I've always been a fan of the game. So for me, um, you know, watching football is something that I'm going to do anyway. You know what I mean? So I might as well, you know, get paid to talk about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy being able to connect with some coaches, some players, getting a chance to interview some of these players. It's amazing because you get a chance to learn. Uh, things about them, you know, on a personal side. And so now that, you know, I'm in this position and, and we have our, our, our show, uh, Big Noon Kickoff, which airs on Saturdays, I'm really, it's really kind of given me, allowed me to stay, you know, pretty close to the game, I guess is, is where I'm getting to. Yeah, and I, I think that's important because when you look at the mixed martial arts side of things, uh, our athletes as well, when they walk away from combat sports as an active participant, the hunger and the fire is still there. And still there. Analyst <laughs> is, is a great outlet for it. Yeah, and, and it, it really is. You know, I think Daniel Cormier does an amazing job. Um, I listen to him, um, listen to, you know, how he speaks. His thoughts are well put together. And, um, you know, he's a professional, you know, and you can see why he was so successful at the at the professional level because um, not just who he was as a fighter but who he is you know as a person i would expect nothing less from one of the greatest new orleans saints to give dap to one of the greatest <laughs> louisiana-based mixed martial yes, artists sir. Uh, yes, on, sir. on brand there what are your thoughts on dustin poirier he's uh, he's got a fight yeah. coming up with conor mcgregor another uh louisiana boy or are you pulling yep. for the diamond um I, first of all, I love when underdogs get a chance to, you know, turn into the big dogs. And yeah. I think, you know, Dust, I think Dustin has done a great job. You know, obviously he's had some bumps and bruises throughout his career, but everybody goes through that, you know. And it, and the, the guys who are able to weather the storm and, and still continue to fight, still continue to show up every day, those are the guys that are most successful. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that um, you know, always find a way to bounce back and keep their name in a conversation. And, and that's the same thing I'm seeing with uh, with Dustin. And, and I'm excited about this 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 trilogy, right? It's yeah. a trilogy now. Yep. yep. The third fight um, between him and Conor McGregor because um, I, I just I love when they give, you know, the other guy a shot to come right back and, and fight and do it again. You know, because sometimes, hey, sometimes it may not be your day and sometimes the other guy may just have your number. But you know, I think this trilogy is really going to prove, okay, who is the baddest, you know, between those two. 
Yeah, no, 100%. And some good has come out of it as well, not just for combat sports fans, but, uh, you know, Dustin, very vocal about his uh, giving back to the community uh, through mm-hmm. the Good Fight Project. And, and Connor, you know, actually donated some money to the Boys and Girls Club uh, of, uh, of Louisiana and New Orleans. And, you know, I, I look at this fight and I, I see, you know, just a big thing coming out for everybody involved because it feels like the world is invested through some of these charitable uh, outings. And and that's one thing that I think athletes do or should do. And I know you're involved with, with charities and, and, you know, giving uh, a pathway uh, through sports to some of the less fortunate. Um, I I don't want to say that it's the responsibility of pro athletes like yourself, but part of me, Reggie feels like if, if you are fortunate enough to make a difference, you probably should pull the trigger and make the difference. Absolutely, because we all started from nothing um, and we all had to work our way to get to, you know, the point of to where we're successful, where we can, you know, truly call ourselves successful, whether it's in business or anything. And we've all needed some help along the way. Right. We, we no, no, none of us just got there, you know, by ourselves, whether it was a coach or a right. friend or, you know, mom, dad, cousins, you know, classmates, whatever it is, everybody has a unique story. And I think that's what's amazing is that when you get to share your story with the world, you kind of normalize yourself and you allow people to see, you know, who you truly are, but also you allow kids to feel like, oh, he did it so I can do it as well. You know, so so now some kids back home, you know, where Conor McGregor is from feel like, oh, for the first time I I, I can go and fight in the UFC, right? right? I can, I can actually go make a name for myself, you know, in the UFC where I may not have thought that if it wasn't for Conor McGregor, you know what I mean? If it wasn't for, um, you know, guys like him. So I've always been a fan of what Conor McGregor has done in the ring and in the, the showmanship. You know, it makes it exciting. You know, right. everybody may not love it the way it comes off as as um, you may be cocky or arrogant. But when you're in the when you're in the battle, when you're in the cage, you have to be cocky. You have to be arrogant right. because you'll get knocked out. You know right. what I mean? In a second. And it's the same for football as well. If you don't have that, I'm the baddest. I'm the toughest mentality on the football field. You'll just get washed out. Yeah, you mentioned the underdog mentality, and I think that you know whether you're a, a regular stick and ball sport athlete or a combat sports athlete, that mm-hmm. underdog mentality has to almost be built on the basis of delusion because everyone's going to tell you, yeah. "Look, you you can't <laughs> succeed. You're not going to succeed." But yes. you have to go against you know popular belief and believe in yourself, and you know with that, uh, a lot of doors are are able to be uh, unlocked. Looking at your yeah. career, Reggie, you were a phenomenal uh, collegiate player. You had mm-hmm. success at the high level. Um, and when I think about the pressure that must have been on you, it, it yeah. reminds me to uh, some some of the stories that Ronda Rousey shared when she mm-hmm. was the, the UFC's champion and, and how it was a burden to basically be expected to be one of the all-time greats. How did you manage some of the expectations, you know, winning the Heisman, you know, being a, a, an elite college player and, and yeah. still maintain that success at the pro ranks? You know, it's tough. Um, it's tough for people who you know, who don't come from uh, the background of success. You know, when you come from nothing uh, and you don't have maybe the, the tools, um, you know, that you need to handle a lot of these different scenarios, um, it can affect you and it can weigh on you because at the end of the day, you just want to go out there and you want to win. At the end of the day, that's why we all show up. We want to go out on the football field. They want to go into the, the cages, into the battle arena, and come out with a W and prove that um, I'm everything, you know, that, you know, you guys, you know, may have thought about me or and, and then some, right? right? And so for Ronda Rousey and for people who are in these situations and, and people like myself, 
um, you got to rely on the people closest to you. You know, you got to lean on um, the people closest to you to help you get through those things. But in my experience, the, the, the most important thing you can that you should do is just take it head on. You know, don't run from whatever the pain is of what you're going through. If it's if it's some, some mental things that you're battling, um, you got to face those fears. Right. Because when you run from them um, at some point in time, they catch up to you. You know what I mean? And, and you got to face your demons. You got to face those battles. You got to go through those trials and those tribulations, because when you walk through the fire, you usually come out stronger on the other side. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to look at, uh, you know, we mentioned Rhonda and some other uh, athletes that have had success and they talk about that pressure. Sometimes success can destroy a person. It can be the greatest thing yeah. for them, but it, but it can tear them down at the same time. Um, you know, looking at kill them. Yeah, 100%. It can kill you. Yeah. It, that's, that's a very sobering reality when you think about yes, that. Yes, it, it is. And it's, you know, that's why it's important. You know, why I say is, is again, you know, we've seen some musicians who have, you know, died recently from some addictions that they were battling. And we've seen, you know, some people who were shot and killed for reasons that, you know, shouldn't have happened. And, and you know, the, at the end of the day, in my experience, and this is my experience, is that when you have some, some, some pain and some hurt that you're dealing with, you know, the best thing you can do is just face it, is go through it. It's going to hurt like hell. Right. It's not going to feel good, right? You're going to have those days where you want to cry, you want to rip your hair out or whatever it is. But as long as you just keep showing up, keep waking up and keep just going forward, right, through the through the fire, like I said, you will come out stronger. It will build you, but you have to allow it to build you from the inside out. And that's a message I think that everyone can really apply to their lives. Yes. But one thing that I admire about you, Reggie, is, you know, you've been vocal online, uh, you know, uh, tweeting out uh, support for Chris Weidman, who it went through a, a horrible leg injury, just started walking, I think, uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked about responsibility and, and helping, you know, people get better lives. But I, I also think someone like you at the highest level of pro football there's almost a responsibility to say the things that you are saying to other yeah. athletes that are going through, you know, hard, hard times, because th this is a sport, especially mixed martial arts, not all that unlike football where it will destroy you mentally and physically. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, for me coming from football, I played in the era where a safety could light you up coming across the middle of the football field and literally try to take your head off. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and so, you know, that was, a tough era, but before me it was even tougher. You know what I mean? It was even nastier and it was even, you know, it was, it was even worse for guys from a physical standpoint when it comes to their bodies and just longevity. And, and then also when you're done playing, you know, and that's the part that's, that's tough is when you're playing, you're in your twenties, you feel invincible, you feel great. But when you start hitting your mid thirties to, you know, forties and fifties and all those injuries start to catch up with you, you know, that's where it's tough. And that's where the mental instability can really affect you and can affect guys who have been through the battles of UFC and guys who've been through the battles of football in the old school eras because a lot of those guys, um, you know, have dealt with you know, mental, you know, can, those, those mental instabilities, you know, yeah. head on, you know. And it's, and it's something that, you know, I've always felt there needs to be some kind of uh, system or, or, you know, some organization that helps you kind of phase out from your sport and, and kind of phase back into normal life because it's really hard to go from 
that caged animal to just now, you know, regular lifestyle where you, you know, you, you have to kind of let that caged guy go. You know, he has to die away with the sport. Yeah, not everybody can be a broadcaster like yourself on Saturdays breaking <laughs> things down too, right? Like it's a nice transition, but it's not for everybody. I'm trying, man. I'm working on it. And, and you know, like Daniel Cormier, um, you know, I wanted to be able to transition into something that was near and dear to me. And, and, and talking football, again, I'm going to talk football all day the same way I'm sure Daniel Cormier is going to watch UFC fights and be a fan of the sport. And, um, you know, it's, it's a place for, for guys like myself, I feel like, where we can still stay close to the game. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. wh wh when when can we expect it come coming back? Uh, August is that the, the the show starts in August? Yes, yeah, yeah, in August. Yep, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a full lineup this year. A lot of great games. I'm excited for college football this year because we're gonna have some fans back in the stadiums, and uh, I see that it seems like there's get there's some fans trickling back in the UFC as well. Yep, and that's great for the sport, man. I love seeing that, and I uh, can't wait for some of these big fights to come up, man. Some of the guys that I love to follow UFC, um, Israel. Uh, Adesanya, yep. um, Kamara Usman, uh, Francis Ngannou. Um, you know, I, I love watching those guys fight. Uh, but also, I think just the narrative of, you know, these are three champions and they're all from Nigeria. You know, I don't know if that 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 narrative is pushed enough because this may never happen again. Right. You know what I mean? We may not. We may never ever have three UFC champions all from Nigeria. You know, like we do right now. And I think that's such an amazing thing. And uh, I mean, those guys are great. Um, Usman's his his jab is legend. I mean, that jab is nasty. It's crazy, like, right? It's, the wrestler, right? The wrestler with the so jab. It's so nasty. It's so nasty, and it comes right down the pipe too. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too? You talk about the African influence, like all these champions have. Like maybe Africa is the new powerhouse for mixed yeah, martial arts. Exactly. We don't know. You know and how so. amazing and how amazing of a narrative would that be if Africa is the new powerhouse, the new hub for great UFC fighters? You know, coming coming from there. Well, if uh, the next crop of fighters from Africa are anything like the three that are dominating right now, uh, yeah. I think everybody's in trouble. <laughs> that's a scary bunch, man, especially that big boy at the top, Francis oh, Ngannou. Man. That's, that's like Miles Garrett. That's a, I would compare him to like a Miles Garrett or Khalil Mack, you know, in the UFC. Like those dudes are just scary. Like the Dominicans too. Like those are the kind of guys you don't want to run into in a dark alley. <laughs> oh, 100%. And uh, on the Usman tip, Kamara's brother, Muhammad, he's like his biggest Brock Lesnar, former football player. Uh, yeah. He's going to do some things at heavyweight, too. So the, the Usmans might yeah. uh, might be a problem for a long time. Reggie, <laughs> I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming by yes, and uh, you know, talking some MMA. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at an event here uh, real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. There he is, Reggie Bush on Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. By the way, we've got a whole bunch of uh, original programming available for you right now. The UFC Academy Combine uh, already available for you. Uh, same with uh, knockout-only uh, combos. I love knockouts only. Like, it's literally that. Just knockouts only. Um, put it on. Sit back. Relax. Enjoy. Watch uh, some fisticuffs and, and great knockouts at that. Uh, also upcoming, UFC Chronicles featuring uh, TJ Dillashaw. That drops on June 8th. Uh, more from the uh, UFC Academy uh, Combine in Shanghai, Episode 4, dropping on Wednesday, June 9th. Uh, and then Chronicles featuring Anderson Silva. That is Thursday, June 17th. But don't forget, coming up this Sunday night, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds 2021. It is all about the welterweights. It's going down live from Cancun. I believe that starts at 7 7 Central, so 8 Eastern. Just, you know what? Go into Fight Pass, log in, 
and look for yourself. Because wherever you are, that's what time it's going to be. Because I, I don't even know what time zones there are, really. Like, I know Eastern, I know Pacific, but you ever log into, like, a, a forum and it's like something GMT? What the hell is GMT? I, I, I don't know. But it's a time zone. Maybe it's your time zone. Maybe it's nobody's time zone. Just, I get confused. Uh, looking over at uh, Twitch, a couple of... Uh, things coming in uh still uh, my boy frankie was was nice enough to uh send more comments that you guys were making uh one gentleman said that i i look like uh joe rogan and and dana white like combined um another guy responded and said look he's just saying you look like a multimillionaire." that's true i didn't think about that that's true i like that um El- elvin neo said tj did you buy some doge during the dip I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Like, I've, I've bought some of the cryptocurrency, but then I don't know what to do with it. And then I just sell it. And then I just hope I made money. I don't even know if I made money. I'm not good at math. So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to figure it out. I guess if I pull back more money than I spent, I made money. But I'm, I'm not smart enough to do things like that. But I try. And it probably is not good for my long-term financial health. Uh, all right, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. Hopefully, you'll join us Sunday night for Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds again. The welterweights. I think Jay Z. Calvicante is in the field. If you don't know what Combat Jiu-Jitsu is, please go watch because it's obviously Jiu-Jitsu, but it's kind of old school in a roundabout way uh, with uh, palm strikes, and it's very similar to you know what Jiu-Jitsu players looked like in the early days of the Ultimate Fighting Championship because you can't really throw punches on the floor; you're going to break your hands. Uh, this is still very much a jiu-jitsu tournament, but you're allowed to strike, and uh, it opens up a lot of great submissions and just really fun fights. Like it, It's weird to say that. It's a grappling match, but uh, I remember Josh Neer just destroyed this this kid's nose on, on one of the early combat jiu-jitsus. And, uh, last event, uh, we saw the deepest Kimura I have ever seen that didn't break someone's arm. Like Sakuraba versus Henzo Gracie is a really bad Kimura. This was somehow worse, but didn't end up with a broken shoulder. You got to go back and look at it. Uh, but again, the next installment of CJJ Worlds is this Sunday. Uh, check your local listings over on UFC Fight Pass. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'll be traveling once again, but we're going to break down the uh, upcoming fight card that features two fantastic UFC title fights. Middleweight title on the line. Israel Adesani taking on Marvin Vittori. Then the flyweight Championship on the line once again as it is the rematch between Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno. I cannot wait for that fight. Uh, the first one was amazing. I, I kind of feel bad because everyone's going to kind of be looking for that fight to live up to that initial bar. It might not be possible, but I do know that we're in uh, in store for a hell of a fight that will determine who the greatest 125-pound fighter in the world is. So uh, that is coming up next Saturday. Uh, thanks to Reggie Bush for coming on the air, talking about a, a variety of things. It's, it's really neat to talk to these high-level football players about their views on, on mixed martial arts and, and just the mindset and mentality. Uh, it's not all that different between football players and, and mixed martial artists, I don't think. And uh, 
It's kind of neat to get insight into their world. So thank you to Reggie Bush. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can check it out. Uh, archived over on Facebook. Also archived uh, on UFC Fight Pass. You can also check out the uh, podcast version wherever you get podcasts, whether it be uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just do a search for UFC Fight Pass and extra rounds, and you will uh, find it. I promise you that. Uh, for Dean Thomas, I'm TJ DeSantis saying thanks for going a few extra rounds. We'll see you next time right here on UFC Fight Pass. Extra rounds from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Thank <laughs> you.